You are a B-list superhero on the verge of losing your job. During a battle with a villain, you accidentally end up killing one of the most prolific superheroes of your time. That's when you realize that with your niche power that was useless as a hero, you could be an A-list supervillain. The real goal for Marvel. It's not just that Avengers 2 is set on the Marvel Universe. If you're a fan of the original Marvel book series, Marvel Unlimited it's easy to see why. After all, you were the Captain America of Marvel Unlimited for the rest of your life. Now that fans aren't the only ones who have found characters, not to mention characters who die in a big way, Marvel Unlimited can make an impact in some ways, if not a lot. The creators of Marvel Unlimited knew that there wasn't a Marvel Unlimited. To those of you with superpowers thinking they need to be omnipotent and able to change, the best way to make those powers into heroes is by giving them space in every continuity. The Avengers Unlimited and the DC Universe can't do that. That's why, with Marvel Unlimited, Marvel Unlimited can continue to be a massive success. But for most people, there is one Marvel Unlimited they'll want to give away. There are several ways Marvel Unlimited could be giving away with any given release. Marvel Unlimited could be limited to all the Marvel Universe's characters. That means that a lot of the villains in the series will remain in that universe, but some of the main villains would leave the Marvel Universe. It would take a large number to make a character from the original Marvel Unlimited a hero in terms of those characters staying in that universe. Then there are a few options or changes that could be made to get a character back into that universe that others could see, or something different, such as a change or change on the Fantastic Four or Avengers. This would make up for the fact that there are far more characters in this universe than in the comic books, but it would also make up for the fact that more superheroes are in the Marvel Universe compared to DC, so that's another thing. Marvel Unlimited could go even beyond this. Since Marvel Unlimited provides for one story per page of the universe, a number of them could be going on longer or even longer. So with that in mind, let's consider the three Marvel Unlimited characters that Marvel Unlimited should be giving away. Thor. Thor's status as a character in the comics could change. He's currently considered the greatest hero in this universe. While this means there will be times where he can be a monster just because he has a super-powered ability, the fact that he's not the best superhero, and his story doesn't really support that narrative, let alone support that narrative, means the story is in peril. On the other hand, there were people who found his character in the comics in ways that Marvel Unlimited is capable of. While Thor's name could be confused with some villains, which he sometimes does. Some characters that Marvel Unlimited would need to take into consideration, like Black Panther, he's a black guy in this world, would be forced to give up their powers in a way that would make him the hero. On the other hand, when Thor's story changed, as it has this time around, the decision would have been made to give Marvel Unlimited a villain that could fit into the Marvel Universe. As the comic book universe expanded, there would be more and more characters who would be able to change their identities, a hero you might see if you read the books after Avengers and a baddie they could become, as well as changing powers that Marvel Unlimited couldn't control. In other circumstances, Avengers Unlimited might not even be able to give away Thor's powers, but it could only give away one hero and I'm guessing we could see the movie changing Thor's superpowered powers a bit, as Thor changes from fighting in a bar fight to fighting in a motorcycle fight. There are many, many reasons why a superhero like Captain America might not be a good fit for Marvel Unlimited, 
but for one of our readers, it might not matter so much anyway. Here are some of the ways someone like Black Panther might not be as good as he could have been on the first Marvel Unlimited release, first it might make him a lot easier to control, thus making it harder to beat someone like Black Panther, but now it's harder for him to control things because of it. Secondly, he might not have the same attributes and skills as Black Panther, which would be harder for him to master in these and other superhero universes, so it's harder for him to put the time into those two things. That might add to the challenge, but it also makes him a bit easier to control, I'm actually okay with that now. But, I like my characters with those special powers. I understand the problem. I like their powers. But, there are a few issues I want to address before I even start, and those are. First, is this a problem that can't ever be resolved because someone is just trying to do a good job? Is the author trying to make you think like an asshole with all the wrong intentions behind it? Second, how is it that a character can have all of their abilities and abilities by simply having all the rights to those powers? Third, do you know how the main character's powers are stored when we talk about powers at first? Like, how much energy do they have and how much energy does it have? Fourth, do we have to think about what makes someone special because they're just trying to achieve something or you might be making them look bad if you actually feel like doing that to them is bad? So you're missing some of the magic, and you're missing a huge chunk of power of those special powers that make them special. That's actually like what I said before. The main characters can really have their own powers that they can use on their own and be better. If you see that the other characters are struggling when they're trying to get rid of certain abilities, or are feeling frustrated by certain abilities that aren't very popular, I think you have to question whether they could ever do their own thing, like you know what, is this really a lot of work because there is so much magic that we can't do that. Okay, so that doesn't necessarily make you good at that sort of thing or not, but I think that does mean, you know, that you would really want to have a good feel for how to think about certain abilities. A really important thing for me as an author is to do a lot of research, and make sure that you think at a level that will help me with the problems you need to solve here, so that I think, you know, when you do that, the way it will start moving that that's what I'm going to be asking myself, how do we get the things out there that are important to me to go through and that will help me reach that goal? So what do you think makes this work? Which of the following things could make that work? The ability to control other characters by having their powers and powers at all. If you're a superhero writer, how would you rate your character's special abilities? How does this system work for your characters based on who you're going to be? How does a superpower work for you based on what is important to you? Or, if you're a comic book writer, how would you rate your character's special abilities? That was the first question for me but now I want things to be more about that. Now, what I want to do, right? I want the abilities to move me to where I need to go. If I need to push the character toward what I think is important to me. I want to push and feel that the characters aren't necessarily able to do that, and that that actually makes them do it better, because I'll always want them to do it better. So I want to see them work the way that I want them to do it. So that one thing that that I wanted to do is not just have superpowers in the superworld, but not superpowers in your world. If I want these superpowers to change who I am, I want them to happen in my world. But, I know it's all dependent on what happens to the other characters around me, so I'm already going to be trying to have this kind of experience for them. But, I'm also trying to give them my personal stories and give them their own experience of everything, 
so that people can have their own experiences from a super world perspective. I think that when you have character driven stories, that's what you're looking for. That's right. When I write a super story about a family at a time in New York City, I'm going to be writing an event like when you need your family to start a new life, you'd better start reading these books. I'm going to be trying to create a story that's different from the stories I write, where there are different ways for the family to become in this new world. I think that when you have character driven stories, that's what you're looking for. That's right. When I write a super story about a family at a time in New York City, I'm going to be writing an event like when you need your family to start a new life, you'd better start reading these books. I'm going to be trying to create a story that's different from the stories I write, where there are different ways for the family to become in this new world. What I mean by new is people who are not interested in life anymore. The only thing you learn from reading your favorite books is that all good stories are created at the same time. Don't be confused if you read them in the past or when they're coming up in future. I think there can be very little difference between bad stories and perfect stories. Herman, in fact, there are very few moments in my life that we do well as people. My favorite moment in the 70s was my father's victory over a mobster. One time, there was a time when I was in the hospital. I was in recovery and was there when he put his arm on my shoulder, and he felt that he was hurting. He was on the wheel of the car in wheelchairs at that time, and I could tell he had been struck twice by a car. And he was able to see the car's side, and he felt that he was getting crushed again. That day and this moment was very important to my father because it's very important to the future in your life because everything you learn from reading is from that moment. So there are no bad scenes. You've always said at the beginning, you're focused on the best you can do and that it doesn't matter what sort of good stories your characters develop over time. In your opinion, who could you suggest is the great author of the greatest good story ever written? Herman, I think, first and foremost, you're creating a world where each person has their own unique character. What we're going to do is create some sort of good story, where each individual comes along and sees that they're a good person but they're not always just good ones. I think that's right and we'll go after them for what they're capable of. In our case, there are only six people that everyone is aware of. You've come from a long line of literary icons who loved literature and enjoyed writing. How has the experience of being an author shaped your approach towards writing? Herman, my first novel was called The Great Farther Side of Death. Then I had two more books called The Life and Times of John Steinbeck, which were written about John Steinbeck. I wrote that two years later in the beginning of my life, I went to Berlin for a couple of lectures to write how life gives you an idea and life gives you an idea. And that was my first major book. It was St. Martin's Heroes, in particular, on the 70s 80s series. And I got a chance to write The Great Farther Side of Death. That was about four years ago now. It's very different in your mind if you really believe in life. The idea of life isn't just to live one's life. It's to see, do a better job, and that's what John Steinbeck was doing during the 70s. Not being able to live one's life just sounds pretty bad to a lot of people. So, I think the inspiration for that book comes from me. Did your father read all of your work? Herman, no, not at all. I like John Steinbeck, the man to watch in the movies, very much. I admire him more. But I've had a lot of experience with people that are interested in people and can find interesting stories. I remember one time being in an interview. My interviewer said why don't you do your best? 
I was wondering to myself, why that's the way that I think we're going to write it. I looked for people that thought like me that had a lot to say, and I said, who could do it? I did it because I've been doing this for 30 years with people who believe so deeply in what they say, have seen their favorite writers say so much about their personalities. Did you have any great experience when you got asked who you wanted to write? Was it because your daughter liked your work? Did you have any great experience when you got asked who you wanted to write? Was it because your daughter liked your work? Or was it simply because she wasn't expecting one? And how, where, and how would she use your name? If you were to ask how I described you, would you ever consider it to be a nice lady? What would you tell her? What else would you want to say? How does I compare with who you like to appear in your work? What are your favorite quotes of the year? Which brand of tea shop you are currently in, where you regularly work, and who will become your next manager or CEO? Why would you want to hire someone like yourself that likes making life easier for their family or career goals? What do you think of professional success and how do you plan to achieve it? And what do you plan to change in the industry, if at all? What do you think of professional success and how do you plan to achieve it? And what do you plan to change in the industry, if at all? This series will be more than just a one-page introduction, and I want to talk about what professional success does to you. I hope that you will participate in the discussion. First I want to let you know that these are just personal experiences. They are not my own. I have read and heard from people, many women that would have said exactly the same and I think that is what this series is for. As far as success, then do you think this series would represent better for us personally or are we just in this for the money? I'd say so as well. I would think that maybe if it was about being accepted with a professional team, it is going to become less of a requirement to actually do well in these situations and not just be happy with failure, but to be happy with the way things turned out. How do you think that is going to work? Well, one aspect that is actually happening at the moment is that, at the moment, what we are hearing from the media, who you would refer to as the people who do things the same way they do is actually this. There are going to be women in these positions. It will be more of a question of how we do things. Because they would actually need to make sure that this works well for them and it's a problem for other people to deal with. Why did you create this series? The answer I get is that there are so many female role models out there in the industry that seem to be the only way women can have good career possibilities at all. Most of them are not talented. So instead of looking for success outside of the industry, if a woman came to me, I really wanted to tell her her career was already done, her life was just as good as mine and if I came out today, I might even be able to do that. Because being able to show that you are happy and able to take on all of this work that is going on on top of that is what I am trying to do. What might you say to those outside of the industry on what this will mean to you and their business, that you don't want to be part of something of that magnitude, if it doesn't work? I love all of the different roles, I like my job, I like how my job is doing. Sometimes it is a lot harder than I think it is, but if it works to me then there is no reason for me to look elsewhere to try. So there are times that we really need to do things differently and there are times that we need to improve a lot more. There are many things that you can do with a woman's career work hard enough to meet expectations, and also do the right things for your individual needs. But when it comes to my business I would do my best not to talk about it at all. Do you say that you don't think people are going to know what they are doing and what's their problem? 
Well the reason is that in our culture which is totally contrary to what you're doing for free people don't really know what they are doing and they are really thinking that way. That's the problem for our industry. So if we see some girls coming up, we are going to see in our culture that girls aren't doing what they like working hard. How does the experience of this series compare to working in finance, even today? Well there is a very similar thing going on with just money. So how does it compare with financial management? The industry is way more streamlined now. We are now in the middle of a banking collapse, right? So that's kind of the last thing you want to worry about. It won't be very well understood and so it's hard to try to explain. So for most people, we have to have a little bit of comfort in those types of issues that people are facing. Have you ever had similar experiences when you worked finance or were you surprised to get involved with it? If so, how much were you learning? I had always had these different experiences when I started working finance. There was a company called Goldman in New York called the New York State Securities Exchange and they were very popular in the United States when this whole thing started. It was a very powerful piece of machinery and a real success story. It was a massive enterprise. Nobody was really doing real management until one day. So I just started trying to figure out what sort of people I am and how I want to do things. How do you perceive that? If you were to get involved with a company based around a financial crisis, that financial industry would be less of a question than it is today. How do you perceive that? If you were to get involved with a company based around a financial crisis, that financial industry would be less of a question than it is today. Do you think you could have financial stability and wealth through an enterprise model? For more than 25 years, there were never any people looking for answers to a question that was a mystery to me. It was always a question that came into my brain. My mother used to say to me that if my son had played a very difficult role in the world and had only come out of it in financial terms, at best it would have involved having to compete with other people for your money. But that's not what's happened today. It comes down to three things: a good understanding of the world, a good sense of humor and a good social sense of what it means to be successful. So at the time I did not think at all that I was going to be able to take on a huge financial risk or be on an enterprise based on that. I just thought, what is a lot more likely to happen as time goes on? That was my view of how that game could work. Crowdfunding. I don't think there was always a particular business model, but it was certainly the case that the market value of various kinds of stocks went down in 2000 when I started to think of crowdfunding. With a company like Kickstarter now, You are talking about a much smaller set of backers. If you are able to raise a thousand dollars through crowdfunding, then there are a whole lot of options you can raise. Your product is not going to make it to sales. There is nothing else out there that you can do with your money except maybe a couple things. It comes directly from Kickstarter. It is not crowdfunding itself, but that doesn't have to be a concern for me. As I started to look more into it further, and that became a more complex problem. What was the one difference between online and traditional crowdfunding? Then, there is an increasing interest in traditional means. We used Kickstarter as a tool with which to grow our business and to raise money. Now, when other companies are trying to launch crowdfunding platforms, they often have to pay into that account with a very large amount. On a more recent side, there was a big surge of interest in crowdfunding and crowdfunding is now as popular as it was 15 years ago. It was very successful, but only on very narrow margins. 
There was a big amount of money for the very successful, many-sided projects. And some were successful simply because there was a lot of effort put in. But, that is now changing. Do you think you would ever be able to take on a big crowdfunding project using traditional means? Would you be able to make money on the traditional way instead of using crowdfunding? I don't know, but I believe that the whole idea behind crowdfunding, the idea behind crowdfunding is that people would invest to make money and that people want to make a lot of money, is that we would be all about creating a community of people and giving it everything. And it would be a way to do that, that would be a nice way, and it is a wonderful way to support different areas of our business. The fact of the matter is there's already tens of thousands of people. And the reason why you are seeing this kind of fundraising on Kickstarter is when the last year has seen a resurgence of interest and so we are trying to be a bit more mindful about that. So we want to be very clear about what we're doing with our fundraising, and why it's a good way to help in any way we can, to raise money. We just want to make sure there's some trust in it that we can provide. And in the process of making that trust, We've introduced new features to allow other investors to donate a portion of their funding to what we call the new crowdfunding platform, by this we mean it's a place for people to make their own money. There were so many issues raised at this time. We were still working out what this was going to do and how to proceed. And it seemed like we needed to start that with some additional funding and that was all on Kickstarter in 2011. There hasn't been any new, formal announcements until now. Most importantly, it seems like it has received very little attention from independent media since we first started this initiative. So the reality of it is that when people are giving millions of dollars a year, there is this expectation in that they're going to make a lot of money and they don't want to get so little or to think that they're going to lose it on crowdfunding. So that part of the question is, what is this company that's going to take the money for? What is this fund that should be doing all the other things being done in order to support this group of people? So there certainly are elements that are not covered on Kickstarter or Kickstarter partners or whatever. But as these investors go, this will not just be funded by new and new business owners and other funders, it will also be helping to fund things like this. If you want to buy a house, you should definitely buy these little houses. If you want to buy a car, you should probably buy these other cars. As the business does grow, the fact remains that we actually do not have all the features we need to support it and our business cannot sustain itself. So it is important for us to ensure that we're going to be supporting the new crowdfunding platform more. And it turns out that those features as we move from the main project forward, a community of people wanting to support the company, have been missing from our funding schedule. What we're doing with these new features is allowing you to buy, to buy and to buy and to buy even more and even more as the new financing situation continues to unfold. It just provides us that additional opportunity it provides you a place to be very active on fundraising. The issue that you mentioned about how we're making sure investors don't lose money is also the question of how we support the next project. So we're also helping to support a project that is really something you can help to sustain in your life, which is to be at home in your own head in a relationship that supports an education about the world that you are creating at home, that you are supporting online, that you are connecting to your community where you live and all over the globe, that is. That is something that the public can be very excited about, that people can be very interested in. And it is the way that crowdfunding functions in other parts of our economy that really raises the conversation. So that means that we're also helping to support the next project. 
It makes sense. It's a way for us to help fund the project that is going to be important to getting us to where we need to be. And as you can imagine, these platforms do not just offer crowdfunding options. They're doing crowdfunding. They provide services that you could use to give a commission. And these platforms help people make connections, share what they're seeing, and to go even further in raising money to create their own community in which you can be connected and to help build a community as much as possible. The great thing about all these projects from Amazon to Airbnb is that they are so simple, and they are so transparent. You can see it on social media, see it on your desktop. When we're making our recommendations by Facebook, we do see what sort of people are sharing a post on a particular subject, and then if we can get it in the hands of that person, then we can turn it into a community. It's so simple and so transparent to build your own product. They give you a very simple, simple platform. If we're going to focus on crowdfunding, we're going to get as much feedback as possible about it. We want to get feedback as quickly as we can. The only way we can do that, in our company, would be through Kickstarter. So you could get the Kickstarter system up and running just a few hours before our scheduled start time. Those are the first things we would do. But to be honest, there's nothing we really want to do right now. We would love to do everything we can to get there. In the end, it's the best opportunity we can get to really do what we're interested in doing, and to make a huge impact on the Internet of Things. As it happens, they gave us a list of all the companies that they were supporting. We had that list for a list of their biggest funding partners. We came up with this list and then we found out that we were supporting them. We'll probably go back and look for that in our product preview, and look for it later on in the year. The other surprise is that they didn't put us on the list. We could have made use of them, maybe they'd put us in the list, but because we didn't think it was necessary, I'm sure they had thought of that. On the other side of things, a few years ago I was just going to come up with a project that would make it worth funding. A project that a lot of our competitors were not able to bring us up to speed at. We were looking for somebody who had the ability to deliver to a market quickly, so we were trying to go from there. So for a moment, I want to ask a little bit that you just want to be clear that this is not a product launch that you're looking for. This isn't a new company. This is not forgotten projects over 40 years. We have a long way to go, but we're trying to deliver that content that people are interested in, so we want something that is exciting and you're looking for something that is at the same time as exciting and is going in different directions. There are things we're very open about. The other thing is that this would be something that they wanted to make a public show about. They want somebody to tell us that. We don't want to put our name on this because we have nothing to do with the story, but we want to show it. And for us to do that, the platform needs a way to connect creators from all over the world. We will try to do that when we're able to. We've been looking to be partners in other places and partners that can bring different types of things together. They could just do some live video. A live video team or live team where people are talking to each other and sharing in real time. That would be absolutely awesome. And it would take some time to show what we're thinking we're thinking, and that could be a lot more time than an hour or two but it would show us what we know how to produce, and then we can have that conversation and get to those ideas that we really want to deliver. And the other point is that we are working on this as a community within the platform and as a company. And the other point is that we are working on this as a community within the platform and as a company. It's not about selling widgets or building on our own, 
It's about giving people the tools to play with our apps to make amazing games and things. We're in charge. I'm really happy for that. I can't wait to push the company to the next level, and that is what's going to happen, said Mr. Sanders. Advertisement continue reading the main story. However, in the end neither of them were able to explain why. The first problem was I couldn't explain just how it's going to turn into the big things that we will be able to do so quickly and quickly, Mr. Clinton said, because at the end of the day I feel so strongly with people's needs that I'm going to try to explain clearly what we want, what we're going to do with it and what we're going to do in the next four or five years. We are working on that, we're working on it more and more and more. He added that he has an intense love for what's happening in the world and that this will become more of your idea of politics. And I think that's not necessarily just in the sense of, you know, the things that are happening in the world that you think might happen but aren't, he said. There's a sense of a personal moment in the story we want to tell. And I think you can make that personal moment happen. My point is that we are beginning to move quickly towards our ability to get things done, to get elected on a national level, even for our country, because we are going to have to fight for it. And that's going to be very difficult. And he spoke of an effort on Tuesday by Democrats to shift responsibility for the government from the president to the minority leader. We have always been committed to the middle class, with a middle class, middle class plan, which has been very successful, said Mr. Clinton. We've worked a lot with Democrats in the past two years on this issue. And I think we will move forward with the goal of creating a middle-class government based on the idea of a more equitable distribution of income. And so that will continue to be our goal. So it's a job that I've been a whole lot more involved in than I was in my time. And so my approach is the same. I want to work for the middle class. I want to move government away from the wealthy and the powerful and the lobbyists and the big capital lions that have pushed through the last five years of this administration. And I recognize that, especially for workers and a lot of Americans who have lost their job. So when it comes down to this, we're moving forward very strongly as a nation to actually raise our standing with people as a country. Because we have no one there to take care of us. We have to look to the poor, but we have to look to the rich and the middle class. And that will continue to be our focus. He added, as you know, one thing the economy has done that has taken us from a place known as the middle class, where it has led to much of America's prosperity, and where the economy now is second only to China in this. And I have a tremendous faith in those two things. And that's going to be very moving and it's a real effort on behalf of the middle class and the middle class. And I believe this should matter. Mr. Bush did not name any presidential candidates except John McCain, and did not say whether he had any specific plans with such a change in policy. Mr. Clinton repeated his criticism of Mr. Obama. But he said he does not want the country in recession. What I've done, with great care that's what is my goal. But I want the government to be responsible for the economy. And I believe we have to create more jobs, and we have to create millions of new jobs, he said, adding, but we're going to not have the President of the United States where he is now with a dysfunctional economy. I will be able to do that if I win re-election. Mr. Clinton said his primary plan for his administration will be to hold our heads up to the fire, and take the heat. After being diagnosed with pneumonia, he did not say whether he'd run again, but he said that he would be holding his breath. So to me, it seems like every campaign you put out is going to have a big impact, 
Because your campaign can be used as a vehicle for the kind of public discussion that we have had at the end of the day, where we go back to focus on the hard work that got our election and now there is going to be debate about what's really necessary to change course, he said. It's going to mean that we have a strong message that resonates across the country.